Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the HypnoDojo. A place of learning for practitioners and students of hypnotherapy. Get your black belts in all things hypnotherapy as we whip into shape your mindset, mastery, and marketing. Relax, enjoy, learn. Here's your sensei, Linda Campbell. Hello, I am Linda Campbell, and welcome to the Hypno Dojo. I am the director of the Horizon Center School of Hypnotherapy and president of the Canadian Association of Counseling Hypnotherapists and Educators. And today I want to talk about a pattern that I have seen over and over and over with my clients that I've come to think of as the rebellion pattern, even though that's not exactly the right word. I actually have three clients right now in my practice who are currently displaying this pattern, at least three that I can think of off the top of my head. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about their stories and see if you can pick out what the common theme is. So client number one is a young lady who's come to see me with some food aversions. Um, We're still determining where these aversions have come from because she was able with the three foods in question to enjoy these foods and to eat them easily in the past and at different times developed aversions to different foods. Now she can't eat them and people in her life think that she's doing it for attention. She was able to eat them before and now she can't eat them so maybe you're just doing this to be able to order especially in restaurants or to be able to stand out for some reason. So she's got all of these people telling her, just eat them. You ate them before, get over it. She could eat them in the past. She can eat them if they're hidden in foods. She doesn't know that they're there. And so she's got people who are disbelieving her. Client number two is a client who came to see me with a driving phobia. Similarly, she was able to drive before, but for some reason she had kind of an out-of-body experience when she was driving on one occasion and since then has been really uh, anxious whenever she anticipates driving or whenever she drives. The fear, of course, being what if it happens again. So, again, there's a common theme here. The people in her life are at times supportive, but more often than not, their attitude is kind of disbelieving. Come on, you could drive before. Get over it. You should be able to drive again. Why is this such a big deal to you? It wasn't a big deal before. Come on. Client number three, this is a client who was injured at work when an elevator that she was on uh, went into free fall and went down a few floors. Now, her boss refuses to acknowledge that anything occurred, and this has now turned into an ICBC claim and a big, ugly mess. So, can you pick out the common theme between all of these people? The theme is they have people in their lives who don't believe what's going on for them. They were okay once, now they aren't, get over it. It's no big deal. 
or that thing didn't happen to you, you weren't really traumatized, the elevator didn't fall. Of course, the boss is probably just protecting her own butt. But the common theme is that there's somebody in their life who doesn't believe that they're really struggling with the thing that they're struggling with. And again, this is a pattern that I've seen over and over and over. A number of years ago, I had a a client who came to see me who was a binge eater. And when we looked for where this pattern stemmed back to in hypnosis, what she recalled was being, I think she was 15 or 16 years old at the time, and she was drinking with her sister and her sister's then boyfriend. And they were all getting pretty drunk, and my client was kind of passing out a little bit. And as she was, she became aware that the boyfriend was groping her. And so the next morning, my client brought it up to her mom, mentioned to her mom what had happened, and the mom called the sister and the boyfriend in and asked them about it, and they both denied that anything was going on. And my client realized that the pattern that she had now of binge eating was because there was a part of her that wanted people to believe that she had been traumatized, almost as though the behavior of binge eating was her saying, hey, look, clearly there's something wrong with me because I wouldn't be engaging in this behavior unless something had truly happened. So there's a bit of a tricky thing that we need to be aware of and know how to deal with in hypnosis. What's going on? The client comes to see you. They want to make a shift. They're putting down money to come and see you for sessions. They've probably done other things to address this particular issue. Hypnosis at this point usually isn't people's first option. They try a lot of other things instead. But there's a catch on a subconscious level. If they were to change, if they were to let go of the behavior, eat the food, drive the car, quit binge eating, then they would be essentially saying that the other person is right. It was no big deal. I wasn't really traumatized. I was just trying to get attention. This symptom really wasn't so bad. So there's kind of a hidden agenda here. The the client has a reason for hanging on to the symptoms. They are something that would be lost to them if they were to get well. They might lose face. They might have people say, see, I told you so. It was no big deal. Why did you make such a big deal of it? So there's this interesting divide that takes place within the client. On the one hand, they really want to get well. They're putting in all this effort. They're paying money. They're coming for sessions. They are frustrated and bothered by whatever the symptom is they've come to see you about. Uh, My client who has the aversion to food is really struggling because the foods that she has an aversion to are ones that show up in a lot of dishes. And so it's difficult for her to go to somebody's house for dinner. She's worried about what if someday my boyfriend wants to invite me over for a home-cooked meal or introduce me to his family and I can't eat anything that they're making. You know, going out to a restaurant is a real pain in the butt. She's got to be constantly vigilant um, so that she doesn't make herself sick by eating something that she has an aversion to. So on the one hand, the person really wants to get well. They're really distressed. They don't like to, you know, have whatever the problem is. But on the other hand, if they were to get rid of the problem, if they were to get well, then they're in a sense saying the problem was never that big in the first place. So the client is divided into the one who wants to get well, 
and the one who kind of needs to prove something to the people in their lives, the, the part of them that needs to show that there really was a trauma or there really is an issue um, and other people can just back off and leave them alone. So when we see this, this is why I call it this pattern of rebellion. <laughs> and I've actually experienced this. I had a client who came to see me for smoking. And uh, he realized in hypnosis that there was this kind of internal voice inside of his mind listening to me as I was giving him suggestions and building an argument to let go of smoking. And he shared with me afterwards what was going on for him internally. He said that as he was listening to me, there was this like frustrated, snarky, angry voice inside of him going, oh, yeah, one more person telling me what I should be doing which was interesting because I don't care if the person smokes or not. It doesn't affect my life, right? I'm not telling him he needs to quit smoking. And so we debriefed it a little bit afterwards. And what we discussed was he had had several people in his life who had been on his back about smoking. He shouldn't smoke. It's going to kill him. It's an ugly, disgusting habit, blah, blah, blah. He'd had family members. He'd had a previous girlfriend, his current girlfriend. They'd all been on his back about smoking. And he was continuing to smoke in order to push back against all of that pressure because if he gave up smoking, they got to win. They got to have the power. They got to, you know, have this kind of smug feeling like they made him do something. I saw this pattern as well with a weight loss client, a young lady who came to see me. Uh, she told me that her fiancé had told her that when she lost 20 pounds, that they could start planning their wedding. Ah, I can tell you how to lose 160 pounds really fast. So she came in kind of like wanting to lose the weight because she wanted to take weight off for herself, but recognizing her resistance. Uh, the conversation we had during our consultation was really interesting. She was saying, if I take off the weight, it's like I'm setting the tone for the rest of our relationship. He's the one who gets to make the decisions. He's the one who gets to have the power. He gets to tell me what to do, and I have to do it. So you can see, again, this kind of catch-22. I want to take weight off. I want to look good in my wedding dress. I want to feel more comfortable in my body. I want to be more at ease. But if I do, the other person wins. The other person calls the shots. I'm now submissive to them throughout our entire marriage. So... I'm not joking when I say I see this pattern a lot, particularly with weight loss and smoking clients, but as I mentioned, it can show up with a lot of other people. So I call it a pattern of rebellion because it's like they're rebelling against somebody else's influence. Nobody likes to be told what to do. Somebody weighs in on what you should be eating or you know what your habits should be or how you should look. There's a little voice inside of ourselves that stands up and goes, oh, really? Is that right? And we want to push back against that influence. So how can we address this? Well, one uh, method that I use is creating what I call a hypnotic argument, a series of suggestions, a compelling argument that is a basically about taking the other people out of the equation. The argument is kind of, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Okay. So for example, with a client who's come for smoking, I might say to them, yes, there may be other people who have an opinion about what you should be doing or shouldn't be doing, other people who want to tell you how to behave. However, <laughs> you're not going to quit smoking because of those people. You're also not going to continue smoking because of those people. 
Because whether you give up smoking because of them or you hang on to smoking because of them, ultimately, they're still in control of you. Whether you're doing something to spite them or doing something because they've convinced you to do it, you're still letting them be in charge of your behavior. So we're going to take other people out of the equation. You're not going to do this for them. You're going to do it for yourself simply because you have determined this important, simply because this is a goal you wish to achieve for yourself, you're going to follow through and see it through to completion. And there may be other people who want to take credit for it. There may be other people who want to feel smug that they somehow influenced you. And if there's ever a time where you need to speak back to those people and you know let them know that you did this for you, you'll be capable of doing that. But you're not going to let them limit you or inhibit you because to do so means letting them still be in charge of you. <laughs> Making sense? So that's one approach, and that works well with the smoking client or the weight loss client. If they have their own reasons for wanting to accomplish the goal, we're focusing on those reasons. Now, sometimes we may have to address the dynamic between them and somebody else. So, for example, my client who was told when she lost 20 pounds they could plan a wedding guess what? We didn't actually do a weight loss session. The session that we did was more about being able to set boundaries, uh, being able to speak with confidence and with firmness to her partner about what she was and was not willing to do so that she could know how to assert herself against his demands and how to you know, kind of just stand up to him a little bit. Once we did that session and she was able to let him know that she's not going to take off weight in order to plan a wedding, she'll take off weight when she's ready to take off weight, the weight actually started coming off. We didn't need to do a session on weight loss. When she was able to assert herself against him and there was no longer a fear of him being the one dominating the relationship and making all of the decisions, when she proved to herself that she could stand up to him, there was no need for her to hang on to the weight. The weight had been a way of asserting herself against him. He wants me to take weight off? Screw that. I'm going to hang on to it. Now I can feel like I have some power. When she proved to herself that she had power, she didn't need the weight. So one option is taking the other person out of the equation, doing a hypnotic argument that makes it, you know, the focus is on the client's goal, what the client has to gain by accomplishing their goal, how not accomplishing it impedes them or creates distress or interferes with their happiness or their health or whatever. So you're focusing on the client and what the client needs and wants and also doing some suggestions around not letting the other person limit them or control them. The second option, as I said, is about addressing a, a dynamic in a relationship so that if there is something there that needs to be worked through, resolved, tweaked a little bit, it's done. Another option is to do something like parts therapy. So the client is already divided. There's the part of them that wants to get well, that wants to accomplish the goal, and the part of them that has to prove something to the other person. So uh, if I get better, then it's like telling them, now ah, the food aversion wasn't really that bad. You're right, I was just making it up. So if you've already got the client divided in two like this, then your your work in hypnosis could be about getting those two parts of the client to kind of resolve it between themselves, get them to sort of battle it out. So what that would look like is I get the client to symbolically imagine the part of themselves that's hanging on to the problem for whatever reason. And then I have them speak to that part 
and tell them, tell the other part all of the reasons why they want to accomplish the goal. It's really difficult for me to order food in a restaurant. It's really difficult for me to go to a friend's house to eat. This is really limiting. It's embarrassing. It takes a lot of extra effort. I don't get a lot of options or choices when it comes to what I'm eating. So telling the other part all of the reasons why you want to be free of your food aversion. And then I get them to either embody the part and speak as the part or just hear back from the part and find out all of the other part's reasons for wanting to hold on to the problem. So the other part might say something like, well, if I let go of this food aversion, then everyone in my life is going to think I was just making it up. I have to hang on to it. So again, we're just finding out from the other part all of the reasons why it's holding on to the problem. Now comes the negotiation place. Is there a way to accomplish both of these goals at the same time? Is there a way to get over the food aversion but without feeling as though you're, you know, making yourself look bad to your family members? Now, your client has all the answers in them. Sometimes it's hard to know what to say to a client, but we actually don't always have to know what to say. If you just kind of pose it to the client, hey, you've got this part that wants to achieve this goal and this part that wants to achieve this goal, talk amongst yourselves. Figure out what the solution is. How can you both achieve your goal without interfering with what the other person wants to accomplish, the other part part wants to accomplish? Excuse me. (coughs) And then I just tell them, give me a nod when you've figured it out. And I sit and wait. And when they nod, I'll get them to tell me, what did you come up with? Because oftentimes people find a solution that they hadn't considered outside of hypnosis. Your subconscious is the creative mind. It oftentimes has far more insight and far more, you know, again, creative, expansive ideas for resolving a problem than we can come up with in our logical mind. So if the client's already divided into these two parts, get the parts to talk and to find a solution. Now, I hope that gives you some ideas as to, you know, What to listen for, um, how to identify this pattern. You're listening for, you know, what is the benefit to hanging on to the problem? Does the client stand to lose anything if they let go of their symptoms? Is there anybody in the client's life who would be like, yeah, see, I knew it. It wasn't so bad. You didn't really have a problem. Anybody in their life who's weighing in on what they're experiencing and invalidating their experience? If so, They're in this rebellion pattern, and we need to clear that pattern because you could spend a lot of time trying to resolve the client's symptoms and help them to move forward. But if that would mean, you know, them facing a consequence that they don't like, if that would mean them losing face with somebody, then you may never get there. So we need to address this piece. So I hope that is helpful to you. Uh, Next week I am going to be talking about how to shift depression using the mind-body connection. Depression is a really challenging area to work in, or it can be, partly because of the client not having as much motivation as they might otherwise. So one of the things that people will often say about depression is, I think it's a um, chemical imbalance, or it's genetic. I had a father with depression. I had a mother with depression. Uh, So even if somebody believes that it's genetic, or that it's due to a chemical imbalance, this approach that I'm going to give you next time works. It's based on the mind-body connection. It's based on neuroplasticity. It's based on the fact that we have a 
chemical uh, pharmacy, <laughs> a pharmacy inside of our minds that can influence our chemical makeup and thereby our emotional state. So I'll give you that little teaser. Next week I will be talking about shifting depression with the mind-body connection. Now, if you're interested in training, I do hypnotherapy training in Victoria, B.C. The next class will be starting in April. That class runs one weekend a month for about a year, 9.30 to 4.30 Saturday and Sunday once a month. I also have an online program. I will be running the first um, interactive online program starting in June. That class will run approximately three Wednesday nights a month from 6 to 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll have some uh, days off during the month so that you have time to catch up and do practice, that sort of thing. <clears throat> I'm really excited about this online program. I've been teaching the online program for years and years and years, but the piece that was missing for me was getting to see my students, uh, getting to interact with them. I, I love the dynamics of a classroom. I love talking to my students. I love getting to know them. I love you know, lively conversations. I love seeing them practice. I love knowing um, that they're absorbing the material and able to apply it. And that was missing for me from my online program for a long time until I discovered um, being able to do an online course with a platform that allows us to see each other and hear each other and go off into breakout rooms where we can practice and be supervised. So I'm launching the interactive online course as of June. The class is currently about half full, but if you're interested in finding out more information, please contact me. I would love to chat with you about the program. You can contact me at info at horizoncenterhypnotherapy.com or you can give me a call at 250-382-2485. Thank you so much for tuning in and come back next week and hear how to shift depression. Okay, take one <laughs> with correction with Campbell. With Campbell. Campbell. The, the, okay. Get your black belt in all things hypnotherapy and never blood. <laughs>